kind of how that works. We pray that you get to come. R.G. Lee wrote one day, he said, If all the sleeping folk will wake up, if all the lukewarm folk will fire up, if all the dishonest folk will confess up, if all the disgruntled folk will cheer up, if all the depressed folk will look up, if all the estranged folk will make up, if all the gossipers will shut up, if all the soldiers will stand up, if all the dry bones will shake up, if the church members will pray up, then we'll have revival. I said, that's pretty good, wasn't it? R.G. Lee. Here in Nehemiah chapter 2 here this evening, and we'll read verses 1 through 2, or in through 10 tonight. And I want to preach on that same thought out of Nehemiah, the road to revival. And uh, we want to talk about tonight moving on to revival. And so we've been preaching already several messages on revival. And so tonight we'll move past that chapter 1 and we'll go into chapter 2. But as we stand to our feet tonight in honor of God's Word, let's begin reading there in verse 1 of chapter 2 on moving on to revival. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been aforetime sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart, that I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, what, For what dost thou make request? I, so I prayed to the God of heaven. I said unto the king, If it please the king, if the servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send, my, send me unto Judah, Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, How long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me, the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. A letter unto Aspet, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat and the whore knight, Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus here tonight. We ask you to help uh, the, the preacher tonight, Lord, to preach. I pray, Father, that you'd help the hearers to hear. I pray tonight, God, that every sinner lost without God would be saved. I pray that every saint of God, Father, would be encouraged and God revived tonight. We pray, Father, that you'd help us to understand your Bible, understand your word. God, I know that we're talking about uh, back in Nehemiah in his day. And Lord, when the temple was torn down and the, and the walls and the gates, dear God, were in destruction. And yet today, dear God, we don't have that same situation, but Lord, we do have the same. God, we're asking for revival, how to get there. God, we know it's a road to revival. We know, Lord, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some time. But God, we're asking tonight, Lord, that you'd help us to understand, dear God, where Nehemiah was. And Father, how can it apply to our lives and apply to our hearts tonight? I beg you tonight, God, do something special within our services. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we find tonight in chapter 1, Nehemiah was minding his own business and we find he was doing his work and Hananiah came by, told him about what's taking place there in the Jerusalem and with the people of God. We found that he began to weep and cry and mourn for days and fast. We find after that he began to pray. He began to pray unto the God of heaven. We find at verse 11 
that as he was talking to God, he said unto God that uh, he desired to fear the name of the Lord. And then he asked a question, one question he asked God to do. He said, would you grant him mercy in the sight of this man? For I was the king's cupbearer. That was the very only request that he asked the king to do. And we find in this chapter we see the answered prayer. And can I say tonight, if you and I are going to find uh, that revival that we're so seeking, you and I are going to find tonight that everyone in our household will be saved. Now wouldn't that be a good thing, Mom and Daddies, to find everyone in your household be born again. If we're going to see that tonight, and we're going to see some family members get born again, and we're going to see a church on fire for God, we're going to see a pulpit preaching the Word of God and the people living the Word of God, and we're going to see a, mur a burning of God within our hearts tonight, uh, we're going to have to have some prayer that's going to take place, aren't we? People are going to have to pray tonight in order to get these things done. And I pray that you pray, that we always pray, that we'll pray daily concerning revival. God, send us revival. God, we need revival. And I pray, as I said uh, last week, that if you would pray for revival, and revival would break out, some of our spouses would come to church. Amen. And if revival would break out, we'll find some of our children getting saved. Amen. If revival would break out, we'll find our homes, dear God, serving the Lord. If revival would break out, we might see our church on fire. If revival does break out, we might see no pew empty. Revival does break out, we might see folks we've been praying for for a long time to get saved. If a revival does break out, we might find a community that's seeking and searching for God and they know where to come because God is here. Oh, there's so many good things and so many great things could happen if this revival would come. We know that God gives revival. We know you and I can't manufacture it. We know tonight we can't make it happen. Uh, friend, we know tonight that we're not going to have an experiment or we're not going to go through five steps to revival. None of that is happening. But we can start with prayer. We can begin to pray. And I pray you've been praying for a revival. I would ask you tonight, if you haven't, would you start? Would you start tonight praying for revival? We notice that after they prayed for revival, four months later, you see that in verse, verse 1 of chapter 1, it says they was in the month of Cheslu. But you come to chapter 2, and you go and in the month of Nisan. Nisan is four months later. So after they prayed that prayer, after they were uh, speaking unto the Lord, asking them to, to burden that individual, to, to put upon the heart of that king, four months later, now we find something going on. We find something moving. All I'm saying tonight is don't think it's just going to be instant. Don't think we can pray tonight and revival tomorrow. Don't think tonight that we don't have to pray for many, many times over and over and over for revival. I want you to notice number one tonight, I want you to notice Nehemiah's hurt. His hurt. And the reason why there's a hurt in Nehemiah is because of his, his heart towards the place of God and the heart toward the people of God. And that's the burden that you and I are trying to convey, you and I are trying to receive, trying to get, that we would have a, a burden for the church tonight. We'll have a burden for the children of God. Amen? That our heart would burn and we'd even have a heart that hurts for the church. And you know, say, well, I don't know what the problem is, Brother Larry. I don't know really what's, what you're having a burden over. Just look around, dear friend. Look around, and not only in our church house, but look around in your own house. Look around tonight in your workplace. Look around in your town. Look around in your community. Look around in your America tonight. Friend, I'm telling you, it's not God-like. It's not Christ-like. It's not headed towards heaven, friend. It's not a place, friend, where you'll find redeemed people and lovers of God and everybody getting along and everybody loving each other. That's not the world I live in tonight. We need some sort of revival and prayer's going to begin there, but we're going to have to get a burden in our heart as well, amen? And so Nehemiah had that hurt down in his heart. I want you to notice, number one, about this hurt of Nehemiah. I noticed that his sorrow of heart wouldn't go away. You know, it began right there in verse 4 of chapter 1. 
And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Four months later, the Bible says uh, there in verse 1, the last portion of it, now I had not been before time sad in his presence. It's still there. That burden wouldn't go away even four months later. We find there in verse 2, he says, the countenance sad. It says in verse 2, but sorrow of heart. Look at verse 3, my countenance be sad. Uh, I'm just saying tonight that Nehemiah's hurt was for real. It wasn't just an overnight. I know a lot of times we get in emotions and we get in feelings tonight and sometimes we might have a good service and maybe God will come down and meet with us and sometimes God will come down and meet with you where you're at and you come to the altar, you stay at your pew and you pray and you walk out of here and say, boy, I'm telling you, we need revival. I need revival. I love to see my home get revived. I love to see my heart be Become fire for God again. I would love to see me be able to speak out with boldness and courage to the, all the lost family and friends to win them to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be a glorious thing? Amen. But you know, the next day, we kind of just kind of forget about it. The next day we get busy with our jobs, we get busy with our families, we get overwhelmed with stress, we get over, overwhelmed with finances, overwhelmed with all that's taking place, and we got new issues, we got new troubles, we got new problems, and a week goes by, a month goes by, and friend, it just seemed like that burden left that next day. But not with Nehemiah. Four months later, it's still there. It just won't go away. And boy, I say to you tonight, we just need some folks to get a burden for revival that just won't go away. I mean, just won't get over it. And here, the Bible says that he had a sorrow of heart that just wouldn't go away. He, he was in adversity. Uh, it was affliction to him. It was calamity to him. That's what the word sorrow of heart means. It wasn't just a little pain. It was a calamity to him. It wasn't just a little bit of sorrow. It was an affliction to him. It wasn't something today that you'd say, well, I can get over it. It was an adversity to him. It was something four months later, he still had it in him. It would not go out of him. He could not get rid of it. And we find his sorrow of heart wouldn't go away. Number two, we find his sorrow of heart wouldn't stay in. It wouldn't stay in either. I mean, it wouldn't go away, but it wouldn't stay in. I mean, you go to verse 1, it says, Now had I not been aforetime sad in his presence. It just wouldn't stay in. And then you go to verse 2. Why is thy countenance sad? The king asked. Well, he didn't tell the king, Hey, king, I'm sad. I'm sad because the, the place of God's all tore up. The people of God's all scattered. And you know what? My heart is in, my heart is in sorrow. Oh, no, uh -uh, that's not what happened. What happened was inside of him had this sorrow of heart, but outside of him showed forth the sorrow of heart. Right? And so it would not stay in. And without him trying... Without him going around with tears in his eye and going around with his head down, him going around just, you know, making comments about how sad it is in Jerusalem, how the walls are down and the gates are burned up and the people are in great affliction and in reproach. None of that was going on. The king was looking at him and the king said, I noticed something about you. You got a sadness about you. What's wrong with you? You're not sick. And so we find that this burden and this desire for revival to take place in Jerusalem with Nehemiah just would not go away, but it would not stay in. It affected his everyday life. I'm just saying tonight, I wonder the church tonight, uh, could it be so that the church and needing a revival, the place of God and the people of God, the church and the Christianity, would it not be that we get over it so fast? Would it be that we would be so affected about it every day for four months? You know, if we have a wife and she says she's going to leave us, right? You don't wake up the next morning happy and jolly. You don't give, hey, man, my wife's going to leave me. Hallelujah, glory to God. Is that right? No, you still got to go to work. 
You still got to go do things. You still got to cut the grass. You still got to uh, fix and repairs. I mean, life goes on. But friend, when you go places, and when you're about your family, and you're about your friends, they say to you, what's wrong? Yeah. Nothing's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong, I can tell. Sure. It's just something going on. And then you finally come out and say, oh yeah, i tell you what's wrong. My wife says she's going to leave me. My boss comes up to you and says, hey, listen, man, you don't have a job after tomorrow. So you go home, you ain't going to say nothing to your wife, you ain't going to say nothing to nobody, you hit, sit down in your chair, you sit in that chair, and your wife says, you want, your, you want some tea? No. You want some dinner? No. You want me to turn on the news for you? No. Can I just sit here and talk to you if you want to? Kids come, hey, Daddy, let's go play. I don't want to play. Finally, somebody's going to say to you, man, what's wrong with you? Sure. You say, I just got laid off today. Mm-hmm. See, those things affects us and those things are seen through us but the revival of the church and the revival of Christianity and the very place where the church is today does not seem to stick am I right we can just get over it we can just live on our little lives you know what because our wives are with us and I got a job and we got food on our table, and we got gas in our car, and when we get home, we'll go out of heat. They'll sleep in some warm bed. And man, friend, listen, we got it like a king and queen. But the old church, getting worldly, the old church empties the pews. Folks are not getting saved. Lives are not getting changed. I mean, the world is getting more wicked. It just seems like, friend, uh, the, the world becomes darker and darker. And has there been four months? And we got over it already. I'm just praying, church. Church, would you hear me tonight? And say, oh, God, help us, Lord, that we wouldn't get over it so quick. Right. That it would be something that would be hurting us tonight. And then it will not go away. And four months later, we're still praying for revival. We're still praying for our home to be saved. We're still praying that our heart will get revived. We're still praying that God will move and save our family and move in our community and shut down the bear joints and shut down the dance halls and shut down all the the trafficking that's going on and shut down the things that are wicked and shut down the things that are dark. Wouldn't that be something, amen, that God will come upon Stafford, Texas and the glory about this church and and come forth and push his presence right here and the Holy Ghost of God would move out there and things will be taking place. Our church will be busted out into seams. Folks will get saved. Lives will be getting changed. Revival will break out. Don't you want that church? I do. It starts with a hurt. A hurt. A hurt that won't go away. A hurt that won't stay in. I mean, we just can't be happy as a lark anymore. We find tonight, verse 1, he saw it. I'm talking about Nehemiah, verse 1, he saw it. He said, now I had not been aforetime sad in his presence. Uh, in other words, Nehemiah is making a, mi- a mission here. I got sadness in my countenance. I've never been like that before, my, before the king. So he, he sees it. We notice in verse 2 that the king sees it. He says, why is thy countenance sad, seeing that I are not sick? There's nothing else but sorrow of heart. So he sees it. And then God sees it. Because if he sees it, the king sees it, I'm surely God sees it. We find number three. The sorrow of heart not only wouldn't go away and wouldn't stay in, but the sorrow of heart wouldn't be silent. It wouldn't be silent. He said there in verse 3, he said, And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city and the place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Uh, why? I mean, it just makes sense, don't you know? And he's looking to the king and talking to the king like, King, I mean, you don't really know, king, but I'm telling you, king, how can I be happy? How can I have joy? How can it be well with my soul? How can everything be okay when I look over Jerusalem and the temple is burned down and the walls are turned down and the gates are broken down and the people in great reproach and the people in great affliction, they're a remnant, they're scattered everywhere, they're in captivity. Oh, listen, king, my 
heart is saddened. Surely. And it just wouldn't be silent. He get, in verse 1, he tried to hold it back. Verse 2, the king saw it. Verse 3, he just had to let them go. Let me tell you why I've got a sad countenance. And so we find tonight, Nehemiah's hurt. Boy, I tell you, man, he really showed forth that the place where God is in waste, the worship of God is at waste, the name of God is at waste. That word waste there in that verse 3, it means this, it means desolate, dry, decay, and destroyed. And many of us tonight may feel, listen, I'm a little dry. I need a little bit of water, amen. We might tonight say, you know what, I'm a little bit of, I'm a little bit contrary tonight. I might be a little bit, uh, you know, on the, on the side of being hardened a little bit. I, I, you know what? I, I just don't seem to have that excitement about my salvation. I, I remember the day when I got born again and my hunger and thirst for God was so real and so by and so uh, mighty. And I tell you, I just couldn't get over it. There was a day, friend, when I was praying for lost people. There was a day, dear God, when I came into the church house and some folks that I know that wasn't saved and when I looked at them, immediately I began to pray for them. Oh God, may this be the day that they get saved and born again. I wonder, does Glory Baptist Church still do that? Amen. I wonder tonight, you that are mamas and daddies, are you still praying for your children to be born again? Yeah. I wonder how husbands and wives whose spouses don't come to church, are you still praying? You still hurt? You still hit here? Does it still move you tonight? And boy, I tell you not, Nehemiah, he was one that was had a hurt. Number two, I want you to know it's not in Nehemiah's hope. I mean, Nehemiah's hurt, but I want you to know Nehemiah's hope. His hope is in chapter 1, verse 11, was the prayer to God that always gives us hope. He said, grant him, that's Nehemiah, mercy in the sight of this man, that's the king. Chapter 1, verse 5, he was praying to the Lord, the God of heaven. Chapter 1, verse 5, he was praying to the great and terrible God. Chapter 1, verse 5, he was praying to the faithful God that keeps covenant in mercy. In chapter 1, and verse 8, he was praying to the God that fulfilled his word. You say, what are you talking about? Well, look at verse 8. Remember, I beseech thee, thy word, thy word that thou commandest, thy servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. What happened to Israel right then? They transgressed against God and God scattered them. That's what happened. And why did it happen? Because God's word said it would happen. He said, if you transgress me, I will scatter you. And Nehemiah is saying to God, God, I pray to the God who his word is fulfilled. Amen. That you said something was going to happen and sure enough, it happened. Just like you said it would be. Tonight, that's our hope tonight. Our hope is the Word of God. Our hope is what God's Word says, He fulfills. What God's Word says, it never changes. What God's Word says tonight, we can trust in it. We can lean on it. We have a God tonight that's the God of heaven and the God of earth tonight. He's the God that keeps covenant and mercy tonight. He's a God that's terrible. He's a God tonight that's great. He's a God tonight above and beyond. And tonight we can pray and trust in Him tonight. That's our hope is God. Amen. God. That's our hope. Boss, the hope was of Nehemiah. And in order for revival to take place, Nehemiah's hope was his prayer to God. Then number two, I notice. Not only was his prayer to it was his prayer to God for his hope, but was his waiting on God. Chapter 2, verse 1, four months goes by. And Nehemiah, in verse 1, is still waiting on God. Isn't he? He asked God in verse 11, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He hasn't done it yet. Four months has went by. He's waiting. He's waiting. That's the hardest thing we got to do, isn't it? Wait. Wait. He's waiting. He's waiting on God. Life is... As usual with Nehemiah, the Bible says that, he, that in verse 1, he says that wine was before him, and I took up the wine. In other words, to Nehemiah, there was a hurt in him. You could see it about him. 
It was in him. It was coming out of him. At the same time, Nehemiah was about his usual business. He was a cupbearer, right? Chapter 2, verse 1, what was he doing? He's putting the cup in front of the king. He was tasting the, he was tasting the wine. He's making sure that it wasn't poisoned. And that's what he was doing. And it gives us a picture tonight that because tonight we need a revival doesn't mean we got to stop our usual life. You see? I'm not saying tonight everybody stop work and everybody quit your job and everybody sell your house and everybody just get in your car and let's just go up to the country. And we'll live off of squirrels and we'll live off of nuts and pine needles and, uh, you know, and, and uh, we'll just, uh, we'll find some water. Brother Keith shows how to get clean water. <laughs> I, I'm just saying tonight, uh, but no, how revival comes is you and I who have a hurt, we also have a hope. And our hope is in prayer to God, but it's also our hope is in waiting on God. That's right. And so we're just going to do the usual things. Uh-huh. Guys are just going to go to work. Gals, if you got a job, you just can keep on going to work. You'll keep on living for God. You're going to come home. You're going to raise your family. You're going to raise your children. Guys, you're going to lead your wife and family. Uh, mom and wife's just going to follow the husband and raise up the children. And we're going to do right. We're going to be right. We're going to act right. We're going to think right. We're going to do everything usual. And yet at the same time, and in us, we got to hurt. Yes. But God is the hope. Yes, he is. All right, so let's not change anything. Let's not act crazy. Let's not, uh, you know... Everybody cash in all of what you have and let's just get one big old bundle of money and let's make a commune and we all can just come together and live together. Amen. And all starve together. Because that's all the money we're going to have is starvation money. So guys, keep working. We find that we see that we was waiting on God, waiting on God, life as usual. Number two, I notice in chapter 2, verse 2, he was waiting on God. Life was bad, though. He said in verse 2, he says, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? This is, no, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Look at the last verse it says. Then I was very sore afraid. Do you know that Nehemiah at that point, he could have had his head cut off because he came before the king with a sad countenance? You say the king would do that? Oh, yeah. During those days there, man, you don't say one word wrong. You don't look wrong. You, you don't have a sad countenance. You, don't, you, you walk up to the king. You're happy. You're glad. Oh, hell, the king. Oh, the great king. You're the wonderful king. You're the only king. You're the king of kings. I mean, listen, you're just worshiping and you're bowing down to the king. And everything is for the king. Every nice word, every kind word. You don't act, say, you don't act sad. You don't be sad. There's nothing sad about you. Oh, but you could not hold it in. It could not keep it in this hurt over the revival it just kept on coming out of him and now his countenance is for the king and he says I'm so afraid uh-huh. and what we're going to do tonight until revival comes we're just going to wait wait on it uh-huh. even in bad times sure. mm-hmm. even tonight when we got trouble in the home yes. even though we got trouble in the parenting we got trouble with our kids we got trouble with our finances we got trouble with our bodies we got trouble. What are we going to do? We're going to wait on God. Amen. We're going to pray to God. That's our hope. Yes. Waiting on God, that's our hope. And don't, don't misunderstand me tonight. You may not always be on the mountaintop like you are now. That's right. You might get in the valley every time, from time to time. Oh, yeah. Don't think tonight that you're over there on the island because you went through the storm and it's pretty nice and sweet right now. Oh, but no, when you get off the island, you're going to have to go through a storm. It might not always be light. It could be sometimes darkness. Uh-huh. But you know what we're going to do if we're ever going to want revival or ever get revival? We're going to have to have that hope waiting on God, even in bad times. Amen. Amen. I hope you see that tonight. Waiting on God in usual times. And then thirdly, I notice uh, tonight, waiting on God in sad times. He said in verse 3, he said his countenance is sad. And uh, we find tonight that, that in that sadness he had a heavy heart. 
He had a lowly spirit. He had a, he had a sad face. His countenance was revealing unto the king uh, that he was sad tonight. A sadness, a sorrow. Listen, tonight we may not always have a smile on our face. We may not always have a joy uh, sitting here. We may not always skipping around as everything's perfect and everything's good. There may come days of sorrow and days of sadness. There may come days, friend, when you don't want to get out of bed. And some days, friend, when you don't want to go to work. And some days you don't want to go to church. And some days, friend, when you don't want to talk to nobody. And days, friend, whenever you just want to cry in days friend when you just want to put your head in the dark somewhere you just want to stay somewhere where nobody talks to you because of the sorrow and the sadness of your heart tonight but Fred I'm telling you tonight if revival's ever going to come to you tonight you're going to have to wait for God even in the sorrow days and the bad days and the days of usual I'm talking about Nehemiah's hope tonight Amen? Oh, we go, do we want revival? Don't we want it? When we look at our precious children, mine are 38 and 33. When I look at my precious children, I sure want them to have revival. Amen. When I look at my dear wife, I sure hope someday a revival. Yes. When I look at you and your family tonight, I wish revival would come. But, oh, our hope is a praying unto God, and our hope is waiting, waiting for God. We find here tonight the third thing that we're going to have to, as far as hope is trusting in God. We can trust in God. I want you to notice in verse chapter 2, verse 1, that Nehemiah was just continuing on. Chapter 2, verse 2, I noticed that Nehemiah was trusting in God and his consequences. He said, I was sore afraid. Now, he didn't run. He didn't flee. He didn't tell, he didn't tell the, the uh, he didn't lie and tell the king, oh, yeah, king, I'm sick. I'm real sick. I mean, you know, I got, I got all kind of stuff going on with me. He didn't tell him a lie. He didn't tell him a story. He just continued on. And even though the consequences of it, and he knew, he knew that he could have his head cut off, but he didn't care. He was going to trust God anyway. He trusts God Continue on, consequences, and then confessing. In chapter 2, verse 3, he began to confess. He confessed it with confidence. He said, uh, why not, or why should not my, my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my fathers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? He did it with confidence. He trusted God. Because at this point here, he knew that he's already sore afraid. And the, 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 the king could cut his head off and he could die right that minute. But you know what? He didn't care about his life. He didn't care about his death. He didn't care about if this was the last day of his life. He cared about Jerusalem. He cared about what's taking place out there. He cared about the place of God, the people of God. He cared about the temple of God. He was worried about the worship of God. He was worried about the name of God. He was worried about the power of God. He wasn't caring about himself. He was just worried about what's going on down there. He said, let me tell you, king, with confidence, with courage, he said to him, why shouldn't I have the confidence? Why? Why? So we find tonight the trusting in God. He just continued. He did it with confidence tonight. He did it with courage tonight. He did it with boldness, even though he knew it could be his last day, his last breath. I wonder tonight, would revival mean that much to us? I wonder. I wonder tonight. I hope that nobody ever comes under this kind of distress. But if somebody said, you lose your job if you want revival, what happened? Your spouse says, I want a divorce because you want revival. What would happen? Mortgage company call you and say, I heard that you want revival. We're taking your home. I know these are silly situations. I'm trying to make a point tonight. It was so important for Nehemiah that his life would be taken. And yet he trusted God. Because his revival or needing revival was mostly important. God help us tonight to get to the place where revival holds a high place in our hearts and lives. Note, tonight we can do a lot of things in the flesh... We can do a lot of things at the church. 
We can have a lot of fun. We can have a lot of social gatherings. We can do a lot of building. We can do a lot of repairing. We can build relationships. And we can have strong friendships tonight. But if our children are dying and going to hell, what does all that matter? We can have big houses down on the beach house. We can have some houses up in the, up in the wilderness. We can have houses up there, friend, on Florida when it gets warm. We can have houses down there in the north, friend, when it gets hot down here. Uh, we, we can have big cars. We can have a lot of guns. We can have much jewelry. Uh, we can have things tonight that nobody else has. But when we look over to our children, look over to our spouse, and look at our mom and daddies and our brothers and sisters, and they're headed to hell wide open, going to burn for all of eternity. What does all that matter? What does it all matter? God, help us tonight to have a hurt, but help us to have the hope that Nehemiah had. Waiting on God, trusting in God, praying to God. Can I say number three tonight? I noticed Nehemiah's hurt, Nehemiah's hope, but I noticed Nehemiah's help. Nehemiah's help in verse four. I noticed that it was answered prayer. That was his help. Tonight, the only hope we have and the only help we can get tonight is answered prayer. Our challenge tonight is praying. You can't get no answered prayer without praying. There ain't going to be no revival if you're not praying for it. If you don't pray for your children, you don't pray for your spouse, you don't pray for your church, you don't pray for your family every single day that God would save their soul, change their lives, get them out of sin, get them unto God, they begin to serve the Lord, begin to live for the Lord, to be a follower of Jesus, to be examples of Jesus tonight, to be one who's waiting for his return tonight. Listen, if you don't ever pray for that, guess what? You won't ever get it. You say, how bad do I want it? Pray two times a day. What about that? Pray three times a day. Pray in the morning. Pray at lunchtime. Pray at night. Pray four times a day. When you're driving to work, morning, driving to work, lunchtime, and then at night. Five times a day. In the morning, driving to work, lunchtime, driving home from work. At night. Amen. Do we want it? Do we need it? How about it tonight? What are you putting in? I've always said this all my life. If you're not going to invest in it, God's not going to invest in it either. He reminds me of this at work. At work, my job at work is to do this. My job is to take the fourth largest city in the United States of America, which is H-Town. Right? That's Houston. If y'all don't know the lingo. So my job is to go out into all these hundreds and thousands of businesses and to go and get business. And then when I get the business, the tire business, I'll bring it back and give it to a guy that's called account manager. All right, so I get the business. I give it to him. He does all the paperwork. He does all the deliveries. He does all the the, uh, fleet checks. He does everything. I'm just a contact. So I go get the business, go through all that process, give it to him, and he takes care of it. So my job also is for salesmen, if they have somebody out there that they want to get business, but they just can't get to the right person or they can't get to the place, they come ask me. They say, hey, Larry, I got a couple of places. You know, I can't get in to see the person. I can't get into the vice president. I can't get into the president. I can't get into the owner. You know, it's just not working, man. I need your help. And so they asked me, and I said, well, come on, let's go do it. And we go out there. And, uh, and so he's invested, right? Because he's come to me and said, let's go do this. I did that, and I can't get nowhere. So he's invested. So if he's invested, guess what? I'm invested. But there's other salesmen out there and says, hey, man, I know you're bringing in a lot of business, and God's blessed me this year. I'll be honest with you tonight, not bragging on me, not bragging on anything I do, but I have brought in to our company over $700,000 worth of new business this year. God be the glory. I pray every day about that. He's made me the top guy in that, whole, in that realm, and so it's nothing to me. It's all about God. 
But everybody knows that, so they come to me and say, hey, Larry, hey, can you get me? Brother Cat, can you give me an account? Can you give me an account? I say, no. I ain't giving you an account. Because you know why? If you're not invested, I'm not invested. Right. Let's put it in the spiritual sense. If you're not invested, God's not invested. If you're not going to put anything, people call me sometimes, they say, brother, will you pray for me? My question to them is this, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You, would you pray for my children? Would you pray for my spouse? Would you pray for this? Would you pray for that? I mean, thousands of prayers that you want me to pray. My question to you is, while I'm praying, what are you doing? Right. Exactly. Watching the football game? Uh-huh. While I'm praying on my knees and begging God, what are you doing? Eating at the, down there at the jack-in-the-box? <laughs> You're not invested, he's not invested. Nehemiah's invested. He's invested in this thing about revival. And God says, okay, because of that, I answer it. And sure enough, God answers a prayer. Sure enough, we find he gets help. And so we see in this help, number one, I notice the king sent him. Right? That's answer prayer. The king sent him. Look in verse verse 6 with me tonight. The king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, How long shall thy journey be? When wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me. I set him a time. Man, listen, that's Nehemiah's help, isn't it? He's trying to get to Jerusalem. He's trying to get down there to the place of God with the people of God. And next thing you know, the king who's over everything, he says, Okay, I send you. That's an answered prayer. Boy, that's Nehemiah's hope, man. His old king now is going to send him on down there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the Bible says there in verse 5, he said, that I may build it. In other words, he's saying to the king, man, I want to go down there to Jerusalem and make it better. I want to go down there not and make it better, but I want to give it a purpose. I want to give it a purpose, but I want to have it ready so that we can worship God. We can go down there to the temple of God and bring our sacrifices unto the Lord and that we can worship Him. We can have walls around us so the enemies don't come in. We can have gates put up so we know exactly what God would have us to do. Listen, I'm ready to build it. Oh, but He needs help. He got it. He got it. The king sent him. I'm telling you tonight, Don't you think God can help us? If tonight we would get in a place of hurt and we get to the place of hope and we get to the place of help and God says, yes, I see you down there at Glory Baptist Church 211 Brand Lane. I know you just got a handful of people out there. Oh, but their heart's as big as Texas. And they're really wanting their families to be saved. And they're really wanting their communities to know God. And they're really wanting me to visit with them. Every service they're calling out for me at their presence. Every time that preacher wants to preach, he wants the power of God and the Holy Ghost of God upon them. And every time the people come to the house of God, they expect to meet with God. They sing with fire. They sing with joy. They have something within their hearts here. Oh, yes, we're going to send revival to them. Sinned. And so he sent them. That's the hope. Nehemiah's hope. Answered prayer. And then answered prayer, we find the king sent them. I want you to notice number two, look at verse seven. The king secured them. <laughs> Can I just pause and just say hallelujah? Moreover, I said unto the king, if it pleased the king, let letters be given to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. Not only did the king send them, but the king secured them. He said, send some letters, man. So when they get the letters, they look at that letter and they say, you go right ahead. The king, the king, the king, King Jesus. King Jesus sent you on the road to revival. Yeah, yeah, here's the letter. And boy, I tell you, they backed up. They said, okay, you're fine. Go ahead, head. Go on down to Judah. Head on out there. So he, the king secured them. The king sent them. Or the king sent them. The king, thirdly, 
supplied them. <laughs> Look at verse 8. Verse 8 supplied them. And the letter unto Ashwood, this keeper of the king's forest, that he may give timber to make beams for the gates, the palace appertained to the house for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter in. And the king granted me. The king granted me. I mean, the king gave me, granted me. Yeah, I'll give you supplies. You don't have to buy any. You ain't got to go get any. Just go right down there to the keeper and just tell him exactly what you want and how much you want, and it won't cost you nothing. Amen. You're talking about Nehemiah's hope, uh-huh. Nehemiah's help, Nehemiah's hurt. I mean, it's coming through now. He's going to have everything he needs to get down there and do what he needs to do. What he say he's going down there to do? Build it. You know what tonight we ought to have in our heart tonight? We want to get to revival so it'll be better. So that we'll have purpose. So we'll see some things going on in our homes and our families and our marriages. That we might see something happening in our hearts that we might finally find joy. We might be able to shout out to God. We might be able to live a life that's full of joy, peace, and rest. And all. we honor with God our Lord tonight. Oh, revival would be so sweet. And yet at the same time tonight, he's got, somebody's going to have to send it, God. And he's not going to send it, but he's got to supply it, God. He's going to have to secure it, God. Amen. Can the king do that? Sure he can. King Jesus, he can do that. Yes. Amen. Amen. Y'all must be tired already. <laughs> got to get weak up there with them. What time is it? Oh, man. Y'all should have as much energy as I got. The king sent them. The king secured them. The king supplied them. But then the king supported them. Look at verse 9. Then I came to the governor beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me, supporting them. Man, I tell you what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you the letter and let you go on, and then I'm going to have somebody there to give you all the timber, and then I have some of my warriors to keep you there, to keep you going. Now I wonder tonight, when God would send his angels, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I know I believe everybody here has a, a guardian angel, don't you? Sure. Yeah. Now I know some of y'all's guardian angels wore out. I bet some of y'all is going to want to retire. It's too much, amen? Huh? I mean, listen, they're probably saying, hey, listen, can you give me somebody else? We need two for this one. We need two guardian angels for this one. This is wild cat. Oh, tonight. Can you imagine tonight when God finally hears our prayer and God says, I'm going to send revival down that little church at Glory Baptist Church. He said, I'm going to send it. I'm going to supply it. I'm going to support it. I am going to be the one tonight that's going to secure it. And there ain't nobody, even hell itself, can stop it. All the world tonight are going to just have to watch it because they can't stop it. I'm telling you tonight, when God gets in it, it's on. And I want it tonight. I want it so bad I can taste it tonight. I want it so bad tonight, if I could do anything my, with physically power, if I could buy it, if I could trade it, if I could take it, if I could do whatever tonight I could on a personal note or a, a note tonight that I could physically do it tonight or mentally do it tonight or financially do it tonight, I would do it right now. Amen. But I can't. Right. And neither can you. No. There's so much tonight that we need from God. The only thing that, we, that will solve it tonight is a revival. We find Nehemiah tonight, Nehemiah's help. Lastly, the king showed him, and the king granted me according to the good hand of, my, of God upon me. I want you to notice tonight the kindness of God. Look what he said there in that verse. Boy, this is a good verse right here in that verse. He says there in verse 8, he says, And the king granted me. Why did he grant me, Nehemiah, according to... To the good hand of my God upon me. Do you know tonight that in the heart, that God has the heart of the king in his hand? Do you know tonight that it's God that raises up and it's God that puts down? 
I'm telling you tonight, when God is on a journey, when God has made up his mind, when God has devised a plan, when God says yes to revival, he'll send revival. At the same time, me and you will not say all the circumstances that happen, not all you and I have done about it. We'll look to God and say, according to your good hand, God, you did that. It was your kindness that I see my wife come back to church. It was your kindness that I see my children come back to church. It was your kindness, friend, when you see yours do the same tonight. It would be your kindness when we see the house of God on a Sunday night full. It would be God's kindness on Wednesday night when we're busting out the seams because people want to hear God's word tonight. You say it will never happen. No, not with that attitude it won't. But with Nehemiah, can you imagine the odds against Nehemiah? He wants to go to Jerusalem. He wants to build the temple, wants to build the walls, wants to build the gates. And he's only one guy. Can you imagine what people are saying about him? Like, boy, what's wrong with you? You can't do that. I'm telling you tonight, if God's in it, you can do it. We can do it tonight. The kindness of God granted me the authority of God according to the good hand, the compassion of God, of my God upon me. And lastly tonight, as I close tonight, I want you to know it's Nehemiah's hindrances. Brother Cat, me and you was talking about this today a little bit. I'm going to let you know any time and every time we want to move forward with God, there's going to be some hindrances. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying tonight, when any time that there's something that God wants and God's in it and God's going to move forward, there's always going to be a hindrances. Yes, Look there in verse 10. We'll talk more about these devils. But tonight, let's just talk about it like this. He says, When Sanballat, the hard night, Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Here we go. Up to this point right here, everything's moving forward, everything's progressing on. But I want you to know tonight, you've got an enemy. I've got an enemy. Can I tell you tonight, the enemy don't want any of our children saved and the enemy don't care about our spouses coming to church. The enemy tonight does not care whether your marriage will last any time today or tomorrow. The enemy tonight don't care if your children will be rebellious or stubborn or if they end up in jail or prison or in the grave. The enemy tonight don't care about you. It don't care whether you eat or drink. It don't care tonight if you have a warm home. It don't care tonight if you got a car to drive. He don't care. All the enemy is going to do is try to hinder you, try to upset you, try to disappoint you, brother. He's going to try to do everything they can to knock you off. That's what the enemy does. Now I want to show you tonight in just a few moments about the hindrances that Nehemiah had, and we all have them tonight. Number one, the hindrances tonight were grieving over the health of God's people. The health of God's people. See, the enemy wants God's people to be weak. And that's what it means, the welfare of the children of Israel, and they were grieved over that. Because they want, they want the enemy, when I say they, the enemy tonight, whether it's the world, whether it's the flesh, or whether it's Satan tonight, they want tonight to, for God's people to be weak, to God's people to be divided, and God's people to be sad. That's what they want, because that's the health of God's people. Uh, the, the Satan tonight, the world tonight, and the sin tonight does not want your family to have a family devotion. So whenever you don't have a family devotion, guess who wins? The enemy. The the enemy doesn't want you to come to the house of God with your family. He don't care too much if one breaks up off the other tonight, but as a family, they don't want that to happen. The enemy does not want revival in Glory Baptist Church. He don't want us to be healthy tonight. 
He, don't, he wants us to be divided with each other. He wants us to be weak in each other. He wants us tonight to come to the place where you and I are just at each other. And I'm telling you, the closer we get to revival, the more tensions and the more contentions and the more schisms and the more anger and the more bitterness and the unforgiveness of your home and church. You better get ready. You better get ready. So we find tonight that they were grieved over the health of the children of Israel. And the devil is grieved over our health. When you get strong with God, he's not interested in that. When you get to reading your Bible and praying well on a weekly basis or a daily basis, uh-uh. When you get to come to church, like you come to church three times in a row, you got the devil on your trail. Or you're going to have problems. We find tonight Nehemiah's hindrances was the grieving over the health of God's people. But number two, the grieving over the happiness of God's people. Because God's people were headed to Jerusalem to serve the Lord, to praise the Lord, and to love the Lord. And friend, the devil tonight and the flesh and the world tonight and even your family members, get this now, your family members will try to do everything and anything they can so that you stop serving God. I never understood in my whole life when a husband or a wife would say to the husband and wife and say, listen, I'm going to go down at 5 o'clock and pray. And the other one says, why? What? I ain't never heard such a dumb question in my life. The spouse says to the spouse, I'm going down at 5 o'clock to pray. And the spouse gets mad at the spouse because coming down here and pray at 5 o'clock. And here's the reasoning. Because I want to ride together. That's nauseated. Yeah. That's nauseating. Mm-mm. Amen. Yeah. Why don't the spouse say to the spouse, I go with you? Yeah. All right. That's, right. That's a new concept. Yeah. Well, that means the kids got to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. What's the matter with kids laying on across this altar right here? What's wrong with that? Well, don't you, I mean, somebody take a snapshot, and here you are, your family's right here at this altar, your children are laid down here, you're laid down here, you're crying out to God. Well, what an awful thing that is. I mean, dear God, that would destroy America right there. I mean, that would cause divorce. That right, there, that right there, friend, will cause trouble in the home to watch the whole family come at 5 o'clock and lay down and cry out to God. telling you tonight, hindrances, the happiness of God's people. And we tell you where the God's people is the happiest, serving, loving, and obeying. That's the happiest of their life. And anybody and everybody in our homes and outside our homes who get in the way of that, you're in the devil's work. Amen? It ought to be, you ought to be a, a very fan or a cheerleader or somebody said, go, 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 go. Yeah. yeah. Ain't there'll be no battle coming to church. Ain't there no battle to come to the prayer meeting. Ain't no battle to come down here and work at the church. No battle to do something with the men of the church or the women of the church. For I don't understand these guys who say, the wife said, listen, I'm going to go on Saturday to the love luncheon, and I'm going to be with a bunch of women out there. We're going to talk about women things, and the husband gets mad at them. Why are you mad, husband? Because I want my wife with me. What are you going to do? I'm going to sit on my chair and do nothing. And she's going to fix me a hamburger and get me some tea. <laughs> you're too, you're crippled too high for crutches. You know what that means, right? From this part up, you're gone. If I was a Spanish, I'd say mucho loco. <laughs> but a gringo... What can I do? Here, last thing, we'll close. The grieving over the hope of God's people tonight, the welfare of the children of Israel. They were grieving over the hope of God's people because the hope of God's people is get to the place of worship, get to the power to follow God, get to the people to trust God, and Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the servant of Ammonite. Uh, They did not want that. And they're going to do everything they can to stop it. 
Just be ready for the hindrances, friend, because they're going to be there. Remember to revival those who distract you, those who discourage you, and those who detour you are your enemies. And to revival. Not everybody wants to have revival. Not everybody wants their walls rebuilt. Man, we talked about convictions. Our walls were down. No, not everybody wants them walls built up. And not everybody wants those gates repaired. You remember about the character we talked about. The eye gate, the mouth gate, the ear gate. Not everybody wants them gates repaired. Not everybody wants them walls fixed. They don't care about convictions. They don't care about character. But I'm telling you tonight, if you want revival, you've got to be planned for somebody to hinder you. Don't be caught off guard tonight. The road to revival. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Tonight, the enemy is just happy right where you are. Right where we are tonight, the, the enemy's happy. The only way tonight to make him or them be grieved tonight is if you make a move towards God. That's where you grieve them, when you make a move towards God. You can do nothing tonight, and the enemy will be just fine with you. You make a move towards God, the enemy will be grieved with you. What will you do tonight? In the way of revival, what will you do? We need personal revival. We need church revival. We need home revival. We need marriage revival. We need state revival. We need country revival. It all begins with us tonight. Would you come? Would you come tonight? Would you move forward? I will not be held back from revival tonight. Nehemiah's hurt, Nehemiah's help, Nehemiah's hope, Nehemiah's hindrances. You've heard the word tonight. You make choice. Brother, you sing. You sing. Oh, God, him. God, please, tonight. God, touch every heart, touch every home. Oh, we need a revival. There's so much tonight that we need from God. Help us tonight. Oh, God, give us help. Give us grace. Give us your mind and your heart tonight. Oh, that we may stand strong. We may progress on. God, that we'll not allow tonight the enemy to discourage us or distract us. My home's too important. My church is too important. My heart is too important. It's too important tonight. I'll not get caught up in the last days. I'll not get caught up in the worldliness and the carnality. I'll not get caught up in the little small immature, childish things. Oh, there's greater things tonight that I need to be concerned over. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Glorious Lord. Glorious God. Oh, my Savior. Oh, my Lord. Brother George, let's sing page 83. Do you have that book? Yeah. I appreciate it, brother. Let's end our service tonight in just a song that exalts our Jesus, our King tonight, our King. Oh, may we sing together tonight this song. Sure it's good to see Brother George and Sister Diana with us tonight. We sure miss them. I know they had to go get married, but we're sure glad they're back. We appreciate them. Gee, you sing with us tonight. Jesus, there's something about that name. Master, Savior.